Hello everyone, it's Carl here from Games, Brains and a Headbanging Life, GBHBall.com. I'm very pleased to be talking with Daniel Hansen of Eclectic Progressive, very, very unique, um, <laughs> extravagant, dare I say, progressive death metal band cult of Lilith. Daniel, it's a pleasure to speak with you. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great, man. Likewise. Cool, cool, cool. How have you been coping then, the elephant in the room? How have you been coping over the last few months? What we've, you know, what's been going on the worldwide pandemic? I mean, it sucks. You know, of course it sucks, and and we haven't been hit as bad by it as maybe some other countries. You know, so it's been pretty minuscule in Iceland. There were some restrictions and stuff. You know, only so many people could enter the grocery store. We haven't really gone into a full lockdown or, or, or quarantine where people just stay inside. Uh, and, you know, generally Icelandic, maybe except for in the summer, but generally Icelandic people are kind of quarantined themselves anyway. So, you know, it hasn't made a huge difference. We're pretty lucky in regards of that, being such an isolated island, you know, so. Interesting, you're right. As we're talking, <laughs> I was thinking... Yeah, we hear statistics of every country. Never seen anything about Iceland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's not too bad here. So it hasn't massively disrupted your life day to day then? Not really. I was worried about it at first, you know, that, you know, what's going to happen? Is the, Am I going to lose my job? You know, you get all these worries about things. You, you, so many unknowns, you know. Mm. But um, no, it hasn't disrupted it too much, honestly. What about its impact on um, the band? Well, the thing is, since we released, or I actually released the EP four years ago, and there wasn't any touring with the EP, it was just local gigs and stuff, um, it hasn't made a huge impact yet. I mean, of course, preferably we would want to be touring right away for this album to promote it, you know, but... Um, it's kind of just more of the same from before, you know, mm -hmm. so, but hopefully we'll get to start touring in early 2021. We're in talks with a booking agent and, and hopefully just uh, things will return to normal sooner rather than later. That's all you can hope. That's all you can wish for. And it's all the rest any of us can do, which is just sit and wait. Yeah, exactly. Well, of course, during this period and for the last couple of months, I guess longer as well, you've been working hard to prepare for the release of your debut album, Mara, September 4th, Fire Metal Blade. Are you kind of chomping at the bit to get this out? Oh, yeah, definitely. Man, we've been waiting. We've been sitting on this material for a while now. Yeah. You know, because... Uh, it all just took a while looking for labels and negotiating and all that. So when the album comes out in September, it will actually have been a year since it was completed almost. Oh my. So yeah. are you at this stage where you're kind of sick to death of it or do you still get excited? <laughs> well, it, it's kind of revitalized now when everything's coming out and you're seeing reactions and stuff. But yeah, it, go, it goes up and down kind of, you know. Gets it. It's it's really old to me the the material you know but it's still so much fun to see people's reactions and finally being able to reveal the hard work we put into it you know yeah and you're kind of getting to do that bit by bit um, as of the time of recording you've got you've dropped two singles uh, Cosmic Maelstrom and Purple Tide and the reaction yeah. to them has been phenomenal yeah Yet there's still so much more to come mm. in regards to what the album holds um, 
Are you surprised by perhaps the phenomenal reaction? Um, I guess I'm, I'm surprised at, you know, how, how many people it's reaching right away. You know, I, I, being a part of Metal Blade is such a huge thing, so I didn't doubt that we would, you know, get some audience through them. But man, yeah, it's it's definitely exceeded our expectations. How many people are checking it out, and just the overwhelming positive reactions to it. You know, we're maybe expecting it to be a little more polarizing, but mm. you know, it's it's been very highly positive so far. So we're we're thankful for that. And and just Metal Blade, they're doing such a great job for us. Uh, we feel feel like we are being very well taken care of there. That's good. That's good. And do you find yourself um, paying loads of attention to comments and reviews and just general fan feedback, whether it be on your Facebook, YouTube, stuff like that? Yeah, I definitely check. Yeah, for sure. And even if it's negative comments, it doesn't bother me at all. You know, people like different things. So I'm not bothered in the least bit by it. Of course, you can't please everyone, you know. Of course, of course. And the origins of Cult of Lilith dates back to 2015 with you as the sole member was the plan back then always to turn it into a full-fledged band yeah it was it was always the plan i i wanted from the beginning i've been searching for members for a long time and it's hard anywhere to find members that are willing to put so much ambition and time into a project like this uh let alone here in Iceland, very isolated, small country, you know. And so I decided to release that EP, record it and re release it pretty much by myself. I had the help of a vocalist here and a studio session drummer from Italy. And I decided to release it just to make a showcase of what I kind of wanted to do and to get other members in, or other musicians interested here in Iceland and actually want to take part and and dedicate their time to the project. I wanted to show, you know, like I'm, I'm serious about this. I want to take it as far as I possibly can and try to find members into the band that are on the Ooh. same page, you know. Well, obviously one of the biggest differences between then and now, the 2016 mm -hmm. EP and the album that's coming out in September is obviously the change in vocalist. You've got uh, Mario Infantenes Avalos. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Um, he's handling these duties now. Other than that, which is obviously quite a significant change, what other major difference do you see um, between the EP and the upcoming album? So, I mean, yeah, a, a big difference is just having a full lineup of band members that are all completely dedicated to this project, you know, and they're all extremely talented. So I'm very thankful for that. And it's also just uh, the EP, the recording of the EP, the process of it was such a huge learning curve for me. I, I learned from a lot of mistakes that I made during the recording of that EP. And also just refining my my uh, skills at writing songs, you know. So yeah, just a, just a hu huge leap forward, I would say there. That's a good couple of years, um, no doubt, between writing and writing a new album for you to have developed those skills, mm -hmm. as you say. Definitely. And is that something you kind of focused 
uh, solely doing it yourself or did you like you know go out take lessons talk to people get experience online courses and things like that no no online courses no no uh, nothing like that just pretty much by myself I just listen to a lot of music I listen to a lot of different kind of music I work in construction so it you know it lets me just put on my headphones and I can just be in my own world you know do doing work and, and listening to a lot of different bands and and uh, you know drawing inspiration from a lot of different things and then also just at home noodling around and and you know uh, just giving it time giving it time to you know to come together that makes sense because when you hear the album there's no easy band or style to point and go well that's what you were inspired by or that takes <laughs> this there's so many different elements which is that's fascinating awesome. in itself Thank you, man. So the title of the album, Mora. Now that's mm -hmm. related to folklore, a folklore tale of like an insidious and malicious entity. Uh, something about sitting on people's chest, like a demon that sits on its chest while you yeah. sleep. Brings mm -hmm. nightmares. Now I have to ask, is that something you have actually experienced or is it just something that fascinates you? Both. Uh, it fascinates me for sure. And I have experienced sleep paralysis where you know i my mind is awake but my body is asleep and it was extremely uncomfortable i didn't sense an entity like some people tend to do during sleep paralysis but it just felt like i was paralyzed you know and, and locked inside my body you know and it was it was very uncomfortable but yeah i i've learned some uh, like breathing techniques that you do when you get into sleep paralysis like that so that you start breathing rapidly and your body wakes up immediately. So yeah, it's happened to me. And it's also, it's just fascinating. Folklore generally I think is very fascinating and mythology as well, especially dark things like that with with uh, malicious entities and stuff has always fascinated me. Well, yeah, just cursory research on the band suggests, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, is it right to say that Cult of Lilith as an entity, the unit, mm -hmm. is predominantly rooted in dark mythology for sure absolutely you know i've always been uh, fascinated by like the occult and and macabre things and horror movies and stuff like that from a very young age and just oh sorry about that yeah just so that yeah my cats are always running around here <laughs> i got two myself really <laughs> i got two as well yeah they're fun um but where was i um yeah so things like that you know um with with what was I saying with horror movies and yeah, yeah. me cult so so uh, I always had the idea like I want to do a band that's called cult of something and it's many many years ago that I I wanted to do that probably like when I was 15 or something so that's like 18 years ago or something you know I always wanted to name it cult of something and and I stumbled upon Lilith sometime and I just started reading about her and she was just such a perfect candidate to to have this cult of worshippers around her you know Oh yeah, it really does make sense. Um, it's not a well-known character, as it were. I don't mm -hmm. even think it's ever really been covered heavily in uh, rock and metal anyway. So, so oh. oh, it's a great area to focus upon and build, I guess. Yeah. So when it came to discussion about the lyrics and Mario's lyrics and so on, and was that done kind of separate to the music? And then you kind of sat there and you thought, okay, that fits really, really well. Uh, it was mostly up to him, 
Like mm. he, yeah, I had, I had one uh, idea, like I, I put working titles on the songs and sometimes that inspired the lyrics for the song, you know, uh, because when I'm writing it, I'm thinking like, hmm, what, what sort of feeling does this, this evoke, you know? So I try to name the working title, something like that, you know? Uh, and some of it was inspired by that with the lyrics and some of it not. It was mostly just him feeling out the, you know, what, what he felt for the song. So, um, yeah, some, something like that. Yeah. Oh, so you've got an incredible level of trust then with, with each other to kind of just leave Mario to do that. Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah. And he well, that, did a great job too. So. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, that comes across, um, not just as a unit, but also the descriptive style that clearly comes through particular tracks. Um, there's a quite heavy reference towards guilt as well, isn't there? Yes. Yeah. Guilt so, and burden and yeah. Yeah, and you've also, you talked about some of the other inspirations in mythology, but you've also been inspired by kind of video games, right? Um, I, I play a lot of video games. Mm. Uh, he, that, that is more our vocalist. Like, he, he is inspired by video games, and that's why one of the songs he named uh, Enter the Mancubus, which was based off of, like, he, he thought that uh, when he heard it, it reminded him instantly of Doom, and he played that game a lot as a kid. So yeah, that that was uh, inspired by a video game at least. I, I am as well of of some uh, soundtracks and stuff. Uh, definitely like some uh, original soundtracks in video games. Like uh, I see you have uh, the mushroom there from Mario, Toad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I mean that music is is incredible. I wouldn't say it's a direct influence on the band per se, but also Nobuo Uematsu, who did uh, the Final Fantasy soundtracks, I think is absolutely amazing. So there's there's a lot of killer soundtracks for uh, for video games and movies as well. Like I'm I'm actually inspired by some uh, OSTs for movies. You you are right. Um, from what I get, what you're saying is that yeah, you love that stuff, but it doesn't necessarily directly influence the band and the style of music. But do you ever find where you're sitting there thinking, oh, okay, this is creeping in here and there, and I don't mean it to, and you have to scale it back? Oh, like like influences? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I'm like, oh, oh shit. Like I, I wouldn't, I don't realize until afterwards where I'm like, oh, maybe this is too similar to this or something. But m mostly not really. You know, I pick up on on techniques and stuff from other musicians because I'm self-taught as a guitarist. So I just learned a lot of songs from other bands that I really liked, you know, and and just picked up on on techniques that they used and stuff. But definitely tried to do things my own way. It's hard to pinpoint like what you're influenced by as well, because when you're writing, you just feel like, oh, yeah, this makes sense to me, you know, and it just kind of clicks. And I, I bet it's just a lot of different influences that are kind of in your subconscious. Mm. You know why it works like that. It's it's uh, so there might be some things that are are a bit similar to some songs that I I don't even realize. You know, it it makes sense that it's in your subconscious and it's more for someone else to pick apart rather than you. <laughs> when it came to then the concept of Mara and stuff like that, did you do a lot of research in regards to reading up, watching, like for example? It's a bit of a glossy Hollywood film, but there was one a couple of years ago called Mara, which is oh, really? yeah. Oh yeah, I I think I remember something faintly about that. I think it was Olga Kurilenko or something, the actress. I haven't seen it though. It's uh, well, <laughs> I didn't really like it, but um, it's got that. Okay. 
you kind of want to touch upon a subject like that and you want it to be a bit grimy and a bit dirty it's got that hollywood gloss over it oh, so that yeah. kind of ruins the feel so what yeah. about you what did you um did you do a lot of reading up that kind of thing for for what the the matter we were thinking like oh what should we name this album because it's not a concept album you oh. know um, and I can't remember, you know, it's, 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 yeah, it's not a strict concept album. There are some reoccurring themes and stuff, but you know, so we wanted something that would make sense for the whole, whole piece collectively, but it has to be a little bit vague, you know, and I, I think we found the perfect thing really, but I can't remember what, what influenced that. I think it might've been the painting by Henry Fuseli, I think his name is, where it's that entity that's sitting on top of the chest of a, of a sleeping person. And that was like in the back of my mind or something. And I, we were just really fascinated by, by dreams as well, you know, nightmares and dreams and stuff. And uh, it's a thing we explore also with, with potential lyrics. So yeah, it just kind of gravitated towards that. It, it seems to all work so perfectly together you say whatever it may not be a concept album but you'd already previously described the lyrics being the equivalent of mario's nightmares and then you've got that um you creating without meaning to a visual image in the head of what yeah, that's the awesome. overarching picture is that's awesome man yeah it's great to hear so after the album and bear in mind as the time recording we are still a few weeks away so yeah plenty more to enjoy before that what plans kind of do you have in the work that you can potentially talk about aside from wanting to get out live really which we already talked about at the start yeah well so the plans are you know we just want to play some local gigs here just to warm up and and uh and we'll, we'll see how, how it goes with the tours and that but aside from that like you said um just to kind of use the time the dead time we have right now while this pandemic is still going on to write new material and to mm. work on some new stuff. You know, it's the perfect time to do that just to be more prepared for the next release and not have it be so long until the next release is ready. So hopefully, hopefully we'll be looking at another record in like two years or so that that's the ideal time frame, I would say. Well, it helps as well, as you already said that you've had this written a bit and sitting on this for, almost a year yeah so where is it's gonna feel brand new for us it's you know a year for you so of course you'd ought to be working on new stuff yeah what about um promoting the band so to speak getting online with social media is that something you enjoy uh it's not like my strong suit but i do try to do it i do try to network a bit um yeah, like I said, I'm I'm I enjoy way more, you know, the trying to think of concepts and and talking to artists and and developing themes and stuff for merch or or talking to like the artist for the album cover or creating music, just the more creative aspect and yeah, developing ideas for music videos and things like that. That's probably what I enjoy the most. But yeah, we, we, we definitely try to be more active on social media than before, especially now that we have stuff to promote. You know, it makes more sense. So yeah, I, I, I'm trying to get better at that, for sure. Do you feel pressure to be better at it, particularly um, when you kind of see the last few months and the only way almost every band in the world could push themselves was on social media? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's always like a little pressure, but 
It doesn't get to me like now. It's it's we have we have a lot of stuff to share. We've been also recording some playthrough videos and mm. and and it's fun to try to get creative with that as well. We just kind of have to get better at it and learn learn a little bit more how to do it. You know. Well, it's funny because obviously the band's only been active since 2015, so it's kind of like, hey, you're a baby. You're only going to do your debut <laughs> yeah. album. <laughs> yeah. Plenty of time to really yeah. pick this shit up. Yeah. Yeah, we've been going overboard with just having everything so perfect. We're all perfectionists and we overthink everything. It's actually a, a, a joke of ours, like cult of overthinking because we're, we're freaking, yeah, we overthink everything. But I think it's a good thing as well. You know, it's a, it's a good thing and a bad thing. But the good thing is that we try to do everything, you know, incredibly well. Yeah, so. Who, um... Out of you guys, then, who's the person that stands up and draws the line in the sand and says, right, no more thinking about this or focusing on that? <laughs> uh, it, uh, we all kind of do at certain points. You know, when someone's taking it too far, we're like, okay, we can't dwell on this any longer. Like, now we just have to, like you say, draw the line in the sand and just get done with it, you know. And what would be, I guess, the minimum hope you have for this release because obviously you're very localized in Iceland. Is mm -hmm. it simply let's get this out to a worldwide audience, which you will do with Metal Blade? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's the the hope is just to lay a great foundation, you know, just to build an audience and a, and a good fan base. Just we have realistic expectations for it, and it's it's already pretty much exceeding it, you know. So. Uh, I think that, yeah, just to build a good foundation, put in the work to get ourselves in people's, uh, you know, screens and, and stuff. And uh, and then for the next record, maybe build up more hype. And it's just that snowball effect is what we're hoping for, you know. Mm, you're very, very humble when you come to that. And you're very rooted in reality, which is even more important. Um, you know the score with the music industry as a whole. It's yeah. a difficult work out there. It is, yeah. Um, last thing then, and I guess it's more just a bit of insight that you could offer us in regards to the scene in Iceland, because it's such an isolated um, island, particularly to places like the UK, where I am, and things like that. Um, yeah. What is your scene like? Is it very localised within towns? When you talk about doing local gigs, is mm -hmm. it simply a matter of just five or six dates around the uh, country? No, there's there's pretty much nothing like that. The, the, that's the thing. The capital area is it's such a condensed place, like where where I think like half of the population or more lives in the capital area. Uh, so th that's basically where the scene is. You know, it you know it's hard to to tour around the country, especially with extreme music like this, because it's small towns all over the place. There is a couple of other towns that you might be able to pull it off, but with a very small audience so it doesn't really make sense they just come to town instead there is a festival though in the east of Iceland it's like a 10 hour drive or something and it's a very cool festival and you know the, that's uh, like the biggest metal festival here and bands will drive over there and a lot of people will attend but a lot of it is also people from the capital area but also from the smaller towns around will gather there for the, for the shows Okay, that makes sense, makes sense. And now you mentioned that, I will actually ask this as well. Um, 
How do you feel about Cult of Lilith playing festivals? Because obviously festival season died this year. Um, yeah. And the hope is 2021, a lot of them are coming back, particularly the big name ones, you know, the Wackens, the Bloodstocks, the Downloads, and so on. Is that something that does interest you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We'd love to play all of them, honestly. You know, that's what we want to do. We want to travel around, you know, tour and play festivals each year. That sounds great. Um, like you said, because it was all canceled 2020, a lot of the lineups will just be moved over to 2021. So we'll have to see if we get on any next year. Hopefully it's being worked on. So we just got to cross our fingers with that. You know, otherwise it's 2022 or something. We'll just have to see. Of course, of course, you're absolutely right about the kind of lineup just being replaced. But in the case of some, there are the odd ones who have added like an extra day to kind yeah. of make up for the year. So there's that. But we shall see. It's all a we shall see. Yeah, exactly. But what we can be assured of is the 4th of September, the album is out. And that is a great place to start. The foundation, as you said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Daniel, thank you very much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, man. My pleasure as well. Thank you very much for watching. You can check us out on GBHBell.com as well as on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and Tumblr. Go to Patreon to help us out over there. That's patreon.com forward slash GBHBL as well as Big Cartel where you can find some of our merchandise. We have a podcast running on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. And of course, if you like this video, do us a favour, hit the subscribe button and help the channel grow. Games, horror and heavy metal. What else is life for?